0: I'm Kim and I'm Tara welcome to unapologetically you often we look to social media to find some of our incredible guests and that's exactly what we did with today's guest Ariel
1: Ariel shares her journey of self acceptance and becoming comfortable in her own skin she now uses her social media platform to bring awareness to living a full life with autism
0: not only is this a journey of self-acceptance it's also a lesson in the dangers of using alcohol and drugs as a coping mechanism Stay tuned for Ariel's story.
1: And don't forget to like and subscribe to our podcast so that we can continue to inspire you.
0: Welcome, Ariel. We really appreciate you sharing your journey with us. Hi, thank you for having me. We are
1: super excited to have you on. Um, You have somewhat of a complicated story. I do. (laughs) You were diagnosed with autism at 18, but that's not where your story really begins. Autism is just one piece of your journey. So why don't we start with You telling us just a little bit about what led to your diagnosis. Okay.
2: So I grew up in a, I guess, a difficult home life. I have a younger sister, but I kind of grew up as a single child. And my mom was in a very abusive relationship. So I kind of grew up, you know, being a part of that. But also, like, I was, I guess you'd say, very antisocial, very... You know, people say, you know, awkward. So I was just very different and I didn't fit in with a lot of people. So that led to me being, you know, like I was very depressed, very lonely. I didn't really rebel. But then as I kind of got older and I made some friends, but I made the wrong type of friends. Got into drinking and drugs and doing things that don't really help you later on in life. Sure. I found a way to fit in with people. And so I guess I became a follower. So I followed what other people were doing. But at the same time, I mean, you also make the choice to do something. So I would say, I guess I was kind of enjoying what I was doing. My mother put me in cheer at a very young age. So that kind of helped me be more sociable with people, kind of learn things. And you would think, you know, okay, so you cheer, you're learning how to branch out, you're making friends with all the cheerleaders, you're going to games. That really wasn't the case. There was a time in high school, I believe it was my junior year, I had the cheerleaders um, sign a petition so I wouldn't be in pictures. You would think I was doing all these things, and I was trying to, you know, fit in and be in the it crowd. But really, I think I was doing everything in the opposite way. Right.
0: So you had all these things that were happening. And then Like, was your mom then noticing maybe things weren't quite right or?
2: Yes. You know, it was just me and her growing up. So she used to tell me things like, I kind of would watch you like, you know, what you would play with, how you put everything back in order, your mannerisms, the way you would communicate or couldn't communicate. And so I think it was probably close to junior high. She started to notice things about me. And she just had, I guess, the mother's intuition, got a book, started reading, said she was driving in the car heard something on the radio about autism, and she said that it just clicked with her. But it never really occurred to find someone to diagnose me until I had all these scholarships to colleges. When I was losing my scholarships, I barely graduated high school. Like everything was just falling apart. I was living in my car. I got diagnosed and it was right before I graduated high school that everything kind of shifted. But then I still lived for 10 years. Like this is my first year being so open and honest about being autistic and actually just telling my past story.
1: I think it's so amazing. And it's so important what you're doing because you're gifting all this confidence that you now have to somebody else. It's so cool to use your platform the way that you (laughs) do, you you know?
2: How did you end up homeless? I really couldn't tell you. I mean, I mean, I can tell you, but I just, I don't know how it happened. Like I said, I got into um, drugs and alcohol. This was while you were in high school that you got into that? A little bit. Okay. I was drinking in high school. I would like kind of dabbled in some drugs in high school, but it was right when I graduated. So it was basically... I got heavier into it after I found out I was autistic. Okay. Because then I had friends and family telling me that I was being brainwashed. You know, she only wants to do this to kind of control you. There's no way. You're so normal. You're just you're just different. I switched my crowd over and I found a new group of, you know, friends. I sold, I had two very nice guitars. Like I played the guitar for like 14 years and then I needed money. So I sold, I was selling things to have money. Honestly, I think I was just so incoherent that I lost the point of where I was yeah. going to sleep. So I w- I had an apartment with some friends and then sometimes I would just end up in my car.
1: When you find out that who you are, like you have a new identity now, trying to cope with that alone mm-hmm. is pretty challenging. It's almost like you were like losing yourself while you were trying to find yourself at the same time or like find who you are now.
2: Yeah. I mean, I, I went my whole life like 18 from when I was born until I was 18 to just you know, thinking that I was just weird. I didn't have any sleepovers. I hadn't had friends when they wanted to be my friend. I was bullied a lot. I mean, I would get very cruel messages from, you know, girls and rumors were made up about me. I would, I hated going to school. I mean, like now looking back at it, you know, after the whole 10 years of being embarrassed and like not wanting to tell anybody, it feels different now. Like I've accepted it. So now I can understand why I was saying the things that I say or why I can't say the things that i tried to say, if that makes sense. Yeah,
0: definitely. While you're, you know, kind of going back and forth from your car to this apartment with your friends, and you're still doing drugs and uh, drinking and all that, what happened to change that?
2: I think I called my mother once. I don't really remember the whole night to be exact, but I know she was still with the guy that she was with from when I was growing up. Mm -hmm. And he was a great father figure for me, but not in a sense for the three of us. I remember calling her and they both came over and my mother was sitting outside and saying like, let's, you know, come outside we can talk. And I, I was a little under the influence. So I don't, I don't even remember that I was doing anything. And then my roommates were in the, in the house with me and telling me not to go like, this is, that's a hard thing to explain because it was a weird dynamic of listening to myself and then trying to determine which is right which is wrong. Do I stay living in this place or do I go back to yeah. my mother and we try to figure things out? So I ended up I stayed the night at my place and then a few days later I called her up again. We did a couple counseling sessions together and then I went back into the same cycle that I was already in and I stayed in that for a little bit longer. And there was just if I could pick a day I could I would might say it was like a random Tuesday I was sitting on the couch and there was MTV music videos that were playing and I was trying to come down. I was trying to like clean up, sober up. I had been out of it for so many days and that was a switch for me to stop doing drugs. Alcohol, I kept doing that and I got heavier into that. Um, that one I actually went to rehab for. The intake of drugs was just a flip of the switch. It just happened. I have no idea, but I am blessed for that one, I guess.
1: When. You went to rehab though for that. What was that like for you? So
2: mine was very different. I did the treatment, like I did the detox process first, and then well, I guess when most or all the alcohol was out of my system, um, I then went to a mental hospital. So I stayed there. So I did like a mixture of both. So it was a facility that was for that went hand in hand. So with all the with the people that I was with, um, there was men that were like twenty years older than me that were just there just to detox, mm-hmm. and then there was men or women there that because they tried to take their life. And so I fell into the category of both. So I had to I did both at the same time. That was a lot for me to take in because being autistic, I can only focus on one thing at a time. So having to take in that I need to also sober up and stay sober. And then also figure out, you know, why I was doing the things that I was doing. Mm -hmm. That was a little that was difficult.
0: Yeah, I'm sure. Well, that's like some deep
1: self-reflection. That's difficult for like anybody. Yeah. I can't imagine. Self-reflecting oh, period
0: is challenging. How old were you? How old were you when you were or in the program?
2: 26, 25.
0: Okay. So you go through this rehab and then this process of like self-reflection and finding yourself and then you leave this center, mm-hmm. right? And then do you go back to where you're at now? Do you go back to the apartment? What What happened when
2: you left? When I went to rehab, I got really um, heavy into drink. I was already heavy, but I got heavier within the last like three years prior to that. And what I did after that, um, I was living with my sister and we don't see eye to eye a whole lot. Sure. So I would sober up and then I would... You know, i hang out with people like, okay, you didn't drink for a month. So technically you don't have an addiction. I'm like, okay, you're right. So let me just, let's do it again. And so I would, I kept relapsing. And so I called my mother, didn't get an answer. She might've been out. So I just drove to her house. I just showed up. So then I, I moved back in here um, with her and that's probably been the best decision. So I had to make a change.
1: I was just reading about like how you like are into fitness. Like how does that fit in or when did that start for you?
2: I think right after I graduated high school, it was a structured thing, really. So then my dad was huge into fitness. I mean, he was a fitness trainer for like multiple different gyms from Oklahoma to Georgia, and then a boxer. He did, you know, modeling for Fitness Magazine. So that was, I think, growing up and watching him do that as well. I kind of fell into it, but I started training people on my own, I would say roughly like eight years ago. I enjoyed it. I mean, I liked it every part of it I liked. For me, it was more about helping someone not necessarily like get physically Mm -hmm. fit, but I want you to get, emotionally and sure. mentally fit because there's a there's a huge change that happens within your body when you start to change your physicals i just fell into it with that i stopped training people with the standard way so i do more of the steel mace which is very unconventional training i consider it like a meditative practice for that you need to connect the mind to the body you're using an i'm sorry you're using an off-centered weight so everything's out of balance already and so you're trying to bring the balance back into your body i stopped training people you know like with dumbbells and barbells and all that and totally did a huge transition into something different. And I found a new passion for that one. That's
1: amazing, yeah.
2: I kind of train more males. With oh, okay. It could be like younger athletes or retired, anybody in the military, active or retired, to kind of open up more of the mobility within your body. Very cool.
0: So you mentioned that your your dad passed away, right?
2: Yes. So when did that, was that recently? see. It was 2016. I think that's still fairly recent.
0: Yeah. And what did he pass away from?
2: Alcohol poisoning.
1: Was he an alcoholic or was he...
2: Yeah, he was an alcoholic. Yeah. So he passed away from the alcohol poisoning.
1: I just like, I find it so fascinating because so you, even when you were doing the fitness training, like at the start of all that, like you, you were still drinking, correct?
2: Oh yeah. I was, yeah, I was all over the place.
1: (laughs) Clearly like that need is in you to help people because even while you were doing that and probably using it as a coping mechanism or whatnot, like you're still out there trying to like change people's lives. Yeah.
2: I, I looked physically fit, but on the inside, you know, that's I had, I guess a lot of pain on the inside, but oh yeah, it, it took a long time to realize that what I'm doing is going to just kill my body. Like I, it's, it's hurting everything on the inside. So my insides are really what's what's making my outside look the way that it does. And if I keep destroying that, how would I be able to help anybody else or help myself? That was a huge thing to kind of take in. Yeah. You're, you said
0: you're being featured on, what is it? Like in a magazine or
2: something? Yeah. It's crazy how all this happened because um, I connected with a guy for the publisher for Oklahoma sports and fitness magazine. And then I connected with y'all. It's just like all these different things are just kind of just lining up in this really weird, but amazing way. Um, I've always wanted, I've told people for years, I want to be on the cover of any fitness magazine, women's health, women's fitness, like I want to be all over it. And I've been saying that for years. And I don't know if it's just because I finally accepted myself, every part of myself, and I'm embracing it and loving it. I finished my article. Um, so I think last Monday or Tuesday and submitted that so I have like a whole like, a page inside the Oklahoma sports and fitness magazine. Congratulations. That's fantastic. So awesome.
1: So like this journey for you to like self-love that obviously has been a a long process, right? You know, humans have like the need to just constantly be connected, right? If you, you didn't have that connection growing up and you didn't feel like you had that connection with friends and peers and whatnot. And so you go down the wrong path. You're coping through that with alcohol and with drugs, but then at the same Mm -hmm. time you're still like helping people on the side. And then you get to the point where you that you love yourself. What happened? Did you start therapy? Did you like where where did that journey
2: begin? I've always done therapy. I go to therapy every every Tuesday. So I've been doing that. I don't even know how long I've been doing that one. So I don't think I could ever not go. It helps me so much. But Really, we had, you know the whole quarantine everywhere. So I yeah, I during that time, i got I just got really just down, kind of depressed during that time. being someone that's autistic, i have I have a set routine all the time. And so then, having to take all of that out, long story short, I had a dog, so she was like a tiny little teacup chihuahua, like she could fit in the palm of your hand. She was so Aww. tiny. I've had her for like thirteen, fourteen years, and so, she passed away unexpectedly. So like, it wasn't supposed to happen. I, we thought that she was going to make it like her heart was too big for her body. And so that's hard. So we thought she was going to make it and they, you know, she ended up not making it. So my mother told me the next morning, you know, she's with your dad, she's, it's going to be okay. I lost it. I was kind of in between, I, you know, kind of dating somebody, but not really dating, I guess. I don't, she wasn't really there for me the way that I thought somebody should be. Mm-hmm. Um, And that's what, it, that's it right there. So being with someone and then thinking that, you know, okay, I just went through my third loss, an, a, another hard loss for myself. And I'm doing this on my own, aside from having my mother with me. But I don't know if it sounds crazy or not, but I I put losing my dog so much gratitude towards her because if I didn't lose her and lose her the way that I did and then have to cut out people after that, I don't think I would have all the self-love and the value and the worth to myself. So I don't know why, but that's what did it for me. When I lost her, everything in my whole mindset just changed.
1: It's just crazy because sometimes, like, in our darkest moments, that's when literally the most light that comes to your life. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, who would have thought? Like, what made you decide to start sharing your story then on social media?
2: My mother's been telling me for years. She's been telling me that you have such an incredible story. And it's not just you being autistic. She was like, there's so much more that goes behind all that, that you need to tell people these things. And I just thought, no, I don't need to. I am not going to. For one... um. I didn't want to admit that I had any addiction problems. People look at me in such a different way that I didn't want people to think that I had such a hard time growing up. And then I also didn't want to tell anybody that I was autistic. I didn't want anyone to just look at me any differently. And I would say my therapist. I give her a, I give her a lot of gratitude. I'm so happy for that one. But I guess she's been helping me find myself in a different way. I appreciate my mother and everything that she's said for me. But at the same time, you need like an outsider's perspective to be able to hit it on the head. Like, okay, now I understand what you're saying. I think I had a session once and I had a a breakthrough and I actually did it on TikTok. So I have a a TikTok page that everyone was posting their coming out stories. And I thought I'm going to be different. I'm going to post my coming out as someone who's autistic. And then from there, people were just shocked. They had no idea. And then I just kept going with it, just sharing things of This is how it was for me at this time. This is what I was doing at this age. This is what people say to me. This is how I react. I guess now it's because I've been so open about it and people share my stuff. I have this weird feeling that I've never had before. And I just, I want to keep going with it. I want to make sure that I just, I keep giving that same feeling that they're giving to me. And
0: you just found, you know, yet another way that you're helping people, right? You were helping them through fitness. And now you're helping them by sharing your story and telling people that they're not alone and showing them there's somebody else out here who's going through the exact same things that they have been or are currently going through.
2: Yeah, it's been quite the journey. I mean, it was probably, give or take, oh yeah, it was probably two months that I've, I've come out sharing my story. So within the last two months, everything has totally shifted. It's
0: so funny how, when you finally like find that piece of self-love and self-acceptance, how everything else in your life just falls into place, your magazine, um, coming out for TikTok and all the support you're getting from there, just all these things are just falling into place for you once, you know, you found your own self-love and self-acceptance, right?
2: Absolutely. Yeah.
0: When we were growing up, no, I don't think autism was necessarily
1: talked about nearly as much as it is now, you know, like, oh, yeah. Nowadays, like, I'm, I'm confident everybody knows somebody that's autistic, right? You have, you might have yeah. several people in your life that are and it's like, okay, that's, that's great. But like, you as a kid, there wasn't that same, like, care for it all, I guess, you know, like, and so growing up at that point, I, it had, had to have been difficult.
2: Yeah. It's, and especially when you didn't know that that's, you know, you didn't know that that's what it was. Yeah. And both of what you both said, it's, it was hardly discussed. Like no one really knew about it. It was almost rare. And it was almost very rare at that time to be a female and be autistic. Yeah. sure. Every person on the spectrum is very different. So if I have a friend and they're autistic they might be more sociable than I can, but I can't give you eye contact. I hate the feeling of touch and they might, you know, so everyone's very, we're all very different, but, and I think about it, like, I guess when I wasn't trying to come out about my story was because people have always said, well, you don't act like you are, you don't look like it. So then it was the whole stereotype of, I don't have, you know, I mean, I have tiny earbuds or my AirPods, you know, but I don't have the big headphones and I did therapy growing up, but I mean, through and through, it was without my mother, like, her studying, and then just kind of just paying attention to me, and helping me do things and, you know, how I should react or act with everything, I probably would be a little bit more different. But then also, like you said, not knowing. So growing up, she would just tell me, it's just, um, they're just jealous.
1: Yeah, yeah. And
2: I was like, jealous of what? <laughs> I, I couldn't under I'm like, why? Why are they I didn't I couldn't put anything together. I just thought I was just people. Just said I was weird, and that's just what I thought. I just thought I was weird.
0: Well, it sounds like your mom is absolutely amazing. Well, you're, and you're very fortunate to have that support in her too. Yeah, you know, looking out for you and doing all the research and trying to figure out what to do.
2: Yeah. I feel like I don't give her enough gratitude, but sometimes I do. It's very hard for me to be um, expressive. Mm -hmm. So I can be excited and I can show that expression, but I can't really show you that I'm upset. I can't show you, you know, and it's, I don't want to say I can't show you love because I feel like I just, I vibrate so high with love that I want to give love to everyone. I don't just hug you and just say, Oh, I love you. You know, that's, that's what I mean. I don't do that, but So here and there, I try to tell her, like, I tried to hug her the other day and just said, thank you. It was so weird. But definitely without her, I would not not be where I'm at right now. Right. You have
1: sensory issues, right? So like those sensory issues. What's that like dating? You said you were dating somebody previously. Is that something that you share with people?
2: Yes. Dating has been very hard. My therapist suggests, you know, like I have to take into consideration of the other person, which is very hard because there's some people that are autistic and they're very selfish. And I'm very selfish. It's not selfish in a bad way. But it's like it's if you want to go to a restaurant, and I don't want to go. I'm going to make it I'm going to tell you that I don't. I can't change my mind. My, it's this or that for me. Sure. Yeah, I have told people before I came out publicly, I would tell whoever, you know, I'm starting to date, if I knew that we were going to get serious or just to just throw it out there. Hey, I'm autistic and crazy enough, sometimes they would totally just disappear. And so that was kind of hurtful. I was like, okay, so I'm telling you that I'm telling you something very vulnerable about myself and then you just you just vanish or we would continue dating and I actually made the video about it on my page that they would say I use it as an excuse too often or I don't act like an adult or, you know, you make dating you very hard. I'm like, or they they would say, I don't, I don't choose to see you as an autistic person. So I'm just going to ignore it. Okay. Well, you can ignore the person that I was kind of dating at the time when I lost my dog, that was um, having such a negative pattern, just, you know, repeat itself. It's just, that's been very difficult for me, but I met somebody. And so like, that's kind of, We're just seeing
1: regardless of being autistic or not, you have to find somebody that's going to embrace you as a person while you come first. Like you, you are autistic. So there are going to be things that they have to embrace and still love you for you, you know?
2: Absolutely. Yeah. I don't know if maybe I wasn't loving myself completely, then that made other people not maybe weren't able to love me because I do believe in that saying, love yourself to love others or however that goes. But then also, it's just, I think it's more accepting yourself. I think I've always loved myself, but I haven't accepted myself to Mm -hmm. that extent. I've run into people that hate that I talk about it so much. It is me, but it's it's not changing who I am. It's just a part of, it's a part of who I am. Yeah. In an early stages of a relationship, I do talk about it a lot because I want you to know, okay, so sometimes I do this. So like if I have, if I'm overstimulated and there's too many sensory things that are happening, I feel very overwhelmed. Tapping has been my thing for like, I don't know, my whole life, I guess. So it's more like not me just being excessive with talking about it. I just want to give you all the pointers because, you know, I met somebody and they were like, well, I want to read about it. Okay. So that was really great. You can read all that you want about it. But at the same time, it's the internet's going to not really tell you who you are. You know, it's just giving you the basic rundown because me being autistic would be totally different than my best friend who's, you know,
0: exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and especially like you were saying, because every case is so different. Every person so is different. so different. Nobody knows yeah. you like you know you. <laughs> so, yeah.
2: Exactly. Yeah, exactly. You've
1: had like a crazy journey. And the fact that you are like on the other side of this and... I mean it's clear as day you like radiate positivity. I think it's fantastic that you're using your platform this way, right? You're you're truly going to yeah. make a difference in people's lives. And not that there's a real negative stigma with autism, but you're ending that stigma if it exists. Oh, wow you are helping people in the fitness world the fact that you have gotten to self-love like that's something that people aspire to and even in their like 50s 60s don't even get there you know the fact that you have that now and things are just falling into place for you is amazing it's just it's it's great to see that that you love yourself enough to give the gift of your journey to somebody else and so other people that have autism too can listen to you and learn from you. And it's it's, it's like, it's just beautiful, you know?
2: Yeah, like you said, like sharing my story, like being impactful. And I made a video not too long ago about how I hated hated taking showers. I would lie. I hated it. Nobody knew that. I just hated taking showers. And so I did a video that said, okay, so Ariel and autism. I hated taking showers. The water just kind of grossed me out. And I didn't want to learn how to drive. I didn't get my license until I was 18. I bought my first car five years ago. And that video just like, I guess it like you said, it changed people's lives. This mother on TikTok messaged me about her daughter, who's 23, 24. And it like it made me so happy. I felt um, so emotional by it that. She said that you give me so much hope for my daughter as an adult. And you know, we talked just a little bit. Um, and then she messaged me, I think, yesterday the day before and was so happy that she's like I'm so happy I'm so proud of my daughter she we've watched your video you give us so much hope that she went and got her license oh that's amazing or you know someone that's 10 they're like a son or a daughter that's at the young age that hates taking showers they're now taking a bath like I'm like it's in it's insane that just the the two little things that I didn't do there are like yeah like you know, I got my son to go outside for the first time because it, you, there's certain things as an autistic person that you need to kind of help you. I don't, I guess, navigate, you know? Sure. Yeah. I guess what you'd say, like chain lives of someone between being four and then someone who messaged me and they're 55. Like yeah. it's such a huge age range that people are just, I can't believe I can do these things. And I'm like, I didn't even, I had no idea that I could just, I guess I could, you know. You
0: are that impactful. Yes.
2: Yeah. I had no idea.
0: That's why it's just so important to share your story and your journey for everyone, because you never know who that's going to help. Yeah.
2: And then the video that I did about me having the elephant being almost 30 and I carry around this giant elephant and he has a name, but like anywhere I go, if it's a new place and I know I'm going to be like, if I'm spending the night, you know, like traveling yeah, then he's gonna go with me because it's, it's a security thing. It's a comfort thing. People were afraid at, you know, 35 or 40 to say, hey, I have, I have a stuffed animal. That's a dog, a cat, I have a a turtle, I have a, you know, like all these. And they're like, because your video, I want to tell people that I have one too. And I was like, "Who who would have thought? Right. Like you said, the little things. It's yeah.
1: So great, so amazing. What advice would you give to someone who's maybe heading down the same path that you are or you were? Maybe like a late teenager, like what advice would you give somebody that's just diagnosed with autism?
2: To be honest, I've had I've had some parents or guardians ask me something similar and what can I do? I feel like I'm not doing enough. Someone that's a parent or guardian to someone who's, you know, um, at that age, I would say, don't think that you're not doing enough. As an autistic person, most of us can feel emotions or we can feel the energy shift. And so if we notice something is different with you, if you're not confident about something, then we're going to take that in as well. So if like that parent or guardian just always feel like you're doing enough because you are someone that you said is kind of at that young age, that's just maybe freshly diagnosed or kind of coming into that diagnosis i would just say it's easier said than done and i know that um but i wouldn't let any of the negative words come to you especially if you don't give off you know what society says the natural autistic look if i could if i could have accepted myself years ago i would have so i would just tell them slowly learn to love themselves what do
0: you think you've learned about yourself
2: I had more insecurities than I thought I did. Yeah. Like it's okay to have doubts. It's okay to be sad one day. But I learned that I have more insecurities on the inside than I actually ever thought that I did. But learning to accept myself and then speaking about it and now knowing that what were those insecurities? I mean, where did they come from? How do they stay around for so long? Because everyone that knows me and they now know that I'm, uh, autistic. They don't look at me any differently. They don't treat me any differently. I don't have that weird thought in my head of, okay, did I just say something weird? Are they going, are they, is this yeah. conversation? Okay. You know? Yeah. So all those, I don't know what kind of insecurities they were. They kind of diminish just a little bit. Yeah.
1: What do you think has been the hardest part about your journey?
2: I would say just feeling lonely Sometimes I go to therapy, I have two friends that are amazing. I have my mother, you know, there's nobody that actually gets me. I do, but I can't really communicate. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's weird, because I like to be alone. But sometimes I just get I get a little lonely.
0: Yeah. Well, there's definitely a difference between being alone and being lonely. Yeah. So what do you hope the takeaway is of your story for our listeners?
2: anything is possible. So for doing something like this, I had to kind of mentally prepare myself. Otherwise, I get I can't even explain how I feel. So like, I might get ready. And I'll just kind of just, you know, I'll sit in my space, and then just take deep breaths, kind of listen to. Um, I'm a huge Taylor Swift fan. <laughs> so she helps calm my I'm feeling overstimulated. She kind of helps calm me down. So then I had then I was thinking about it. Okay, so you're just kind of just flowing with the conversation when you do something, you know, like this, I thought about it, like, as we've been you know, talking about things. I really didn't think that my story was not heavy, but I guess maybe powerful. There was, I've done so much that I would always compare myself to people. And then I would tell people, don't compare. Your life path is your own life path. Like that was just the beginning of my chapter. So like anything is possible. Like, I mean, if I could be living from an apartment to my car, to barely making ends meet to feed myself, to now like helping people change their own life to doing things, helping find people find their confidence, giving them hope. There's nothing that you cannot reach if you really believe in yourself is, and accept yourself. I think self-acceptance is huge.
1: Yes, hands down. That was an amazing answer, by the way. Ariel, your story has been it's super inspiring. You already are, but you're going to be making a difference in way more people's lives. You know, before we go, we have a couple few fun pop questions we're going to ask you. (laughs) Are you a morning person or are you a night owl?
2: I am a morning person through and through. I'm that person when I wake up in the morning, people are annoyed because I'm like so happy and (laughs) so giddy. So
0: if you could meet anyone living or
2: dead, who would it be? Oh, come on, Taylor Swift. Obviously. Yeah. <laughs>
1: What's your most used emoji?
2: The two eyeballs that are looking towards, like, I guess the left. Yeah. I use that one. And then um, I always try to do the emoji, but I, I can never do it. Where they raise one eyebrow and they make that weird face. It's like that one eye. The eyebrow comes up. They're like, wait, what did you just say? So those are my amazing. two comments. All right,
0: how do you feel about pineapple on pizza?
2: No. If
0: you could have any superpower, what would it be?
2: I want to change the climate or change my scenery. Like if I, being a morning person and I'm sitting on my front porch looking at this, you know, the cul-de-sac, that's where I live in a cul-de-sac. So I see cars yeah. drive by. Maybe I want to sip my coffee, snap my fingers and I'm at a beach. <laughs> ah, I like that. And then when I'm ready to come home, all right, snap again. I'm back home. <laughs>
0: Well, we can't thank you enough for sharing your inspiring story with us. You're using your platform to spread love and awareness, and it's so admirable. Ariel, thank you for being Unapologetically You. Well, thank you so much for having me. It was such a pleasure. We're so happy you joined us, and we hope this story inspired you to be Unapologetically You. Join us next time for another remarkable journey. And if you or someone you know has a story to share, please reach out to us on our website at unapologeticallyupodcast.com.
1: Don't forget to like us on Facebook and Instagram at Unapologetically You Podcast. And please subscribe, rate, and follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Podbean so that we can continue to inspire you.